Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health and mindset inside and out. With your host, Steve Katarzy. Guys, are you ready for some nutritional and exercise wisdom? Someone who can guide you expertly on how to build a fantastic physique and with the credentials to prove it because his physique is insane and it has been for quite a while now. We're talking about the one and only Nick Cheadle, Mr. Insta-famous in the fitness space. He's got a huge, absolutely huge following and for a good reason. His content has been on point, it's been real, it's been honest and he's a huge proponent of flexible dieting, getting a great physique while still enjoying your life. So um, I was so, so excited to get Nick on. He's a personal friend. He's helped me navigate the online fitness space over the last year or so. And we were also keen to talk about a new innovative service he's bringing out now. And it's a service called myphysique.io. We're going to get into that during this conversation. But before we get into his new service, I want to get to know Nick a little bit more. And that's exactly what you're going to hear. You're going to hear what his biggest struggles and missteps were on his journey towards building the physique he's got. I'm going to ask him what his biggest successes have been and what has been a long but short journey. He's only 30. And then we talk about happiness and pursuing happiness through your physique. Does it make sense? Is it the right priority? And what level of happiness does Nick attach to his physique today? We then talk about social being so, so good on the social media game, one of the biggest brands and names globally as it relates to online fitness. I just wanted to get some coaching more than anything else. Like, How has he navigated that space? What are his priorities? How has he managed his happiness in his previously obsessive pursuit of building his brand online? So we talk a little bit about that. And then of course, we get into his business, myphysique.io. And I won't still his funder, you'll get to hear that in the second half of this discussion. What is it? How you access it? The value proposition? What problem it's trying to solve? Guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. Finding Nick is going to be super easy. All the links are in the show notes. And if you've got any questions for me or Nick, fire them through to the Adapt Nation Facebook page or Instagram page. And I'll get right back to you. Enjoy. Adapt Nation. Today is a big day, guys. We've got a cracker of a guest on the show today. Uh, and before I give you the guy's name, I thought I'd build up the suspense a little bit and just call out this guy's credentials. Let's see if you can guess halfway through. So the individual I'm speaking to today has been inspiring millions of guys with his real talk, flexible philosophies and proven progressive overload training strategies. He has got loads of followers. We're talking 700, 800 odd thousand followers on Instagram, almost a couple of million on Facebook. This guy's the real deal online. He's been a WBFF pro, a fitness model, and a powerlifting competitor. And I'm not jealous at all. <laughs> he's, he's known for his global online coaching services, and has a brand new service, which I'm sure we're going to touch on later. He's an owner of a gym facility in Sydney, and of course, delivers his expert personal training and videos there too. And he's one of the biggest sponsored athletes of Gymshark and Optimum Nutrition. 
all whilst only being 30 years old. I think it's just absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, have you guessed who we're talking about? If not, I forgive you, but it's now time for you to lift your head from under the rock and get to know the legend, the young legend, Nick Cheadle. Nick, man, welcome. Thank you very much. That was quite the introduction. Well, hopefully it's uh, it's roughly there or thereabouts right. But I mean, yeah, you're, you are you are a, a young legend, a star in the space of fitness. And um, I know you've had a few accolades over the last couple of years to kind of put you on that pedestal. But I just want to say thank you, man. Thank you for the time. And you're, you're, you're gracious with your time, even to the point that you, you met me in uh, Sydney last year, right when I went on holiday. So listen, thank you for being on on this podcast today. I can't wait to get our conversation started. That's my pleasure, mate. Uh, although I, uh, I, I will just point out, actually, that, um, and I have to do this because, uh, you know, I, I've only got a limited amount of time left to be able to do this, but uh, I'm not quite yet 30. I've still got a couple of months up my sleeve. So uh, I need to make sure that I take any opportunity just to remind people that I'm not not just in my 30s yet. Oh, are you not? Uh, to uh, 29 and about 10 months at this stage. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks. I needed to know that. <laughs> well, no, I needed you to know that. So. Oh, great. Well, listen, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just blown away that we're, we're having the time to chat and hopefully the, the audience will enjoy this conversation. So listen, man, the way I'd like to take the call, if you're up for it, is people can Google about, you know, your fitness journey from you not fitting in, having orthorexia issues uh, when you're younger, you know, following super restrictive diets and then being, you know, enlightened uh, with a different way of doing things. So I'm not going to go down the same beaten path as other podcast discussions and other things online. Instead, I want to take this in a slightly different direction, Nick. And if you're up for it, I'd like us to kind of just ad hoc go through some life lessons uh, maybe some relationship type stuff with social media. And then I'd love to talk about your new service, uh, myphysique.io. Are you up for that, Nick? Bring it on. Cool. All right. All right. So I have some prepared questions, but I'm sure we're going to just move in whatever direction this takes us. But the first question I had for you, Nick, was um, knowing what you now know, and I've kind of pr- pr- alluded to this to some degree, but knowing that uh, your life has been one of, uh, you know, trial and error, some mistakes, and now reaching a point where I think you feel informed, at least when it comes to nutrition, physique and training. What would you say your biggest missteps or time wasters have been in developing your physique? If you kind of track back from the first time you got in the gym to today, what have been the biggest um, yeah, missteps or, or misdirections in terms of trying to manage your physique and your kind of training? Uh, I think, to be honest, I probably paid a little bit too much attention to the routines and the diets of the people that I tended to look up to at the time. Uh, you know, I had, uh, like we all do, I had the the guys and girls that I looked up to on social media at the time. And uh, I was you know, extremely interested in what it was they were doing rather than the reasons why they were doing certain things. Uh, And I think the more that I look back on that now, um, the more I realized that a lot of those people that I was looking up to didn't necessarily know why they were eating certain foods or why they were eating certain quantities of those foods. And um, there may have been various other factors at play in regards to how they managed to look the way they do. But 
I think, uh, you know, I was very impressionable. And if I saw somebody that I idolized doing something, then I thought it would be a good idea to replicate that. Uh, and I think uh, there was a lot of a, a lot of things that uh, not necessarily are detrimental to building uh, or improving your physique, but there are certainly better ways to go about things. And just because I saw um, something here or something there, uh, I think I was a little bit too quick to rush into implementing those sorts of things into my own routine rather than doing a little bit of research and, and trying to understand a little bit more about what would be a good way to go about things considering what it was that I was trying to achieve. And what, you know, just name a couple. So, you know, whether it be kind of training modalities, whether it be types of diet uh, or restriction, um, whether it be the way you built built routines or followed routines, what would you say in hindsight? You'd say, I I'm not gonna, I wouldn't do that again. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I think the the obvious two would be uh, the bro split, whereby you'd be looking at training, you know, one muscle group per day throughout the course of a week, mm -hmm. uh, following some sort of clean restrictive diet whereby you would remove various foods or food groups from your diet uh, under the notion that they were bad or uh, not going to be able to help you to get lean and build muscle. And let's pick those apart a little bit. So the, the bro split thing, obviously in, incredibly popular throughout most of uh, people's interest in, in bodybuilding and as it got popularized, uh, I remember reading magazines and that, that was really it, right? It was arms day, <laughs> it was chest Absolutely. day. Um, but it, I, I guess it does have some merit for certain individuals. Uh, but why would you think, why do you say it was less effective or something that you don't follow so much these days? Uh, there's a number of reasons why I wouldn't turn back to a bro split. Uh, when you consider uh, progressive overload and the way that we build and maintain muscle over time, basically what we need to do is put our body under more and more stress or throw more and more training stimulus at the body over time. So if we look at the way that we go about doing this, by training muscle groups more frequently than once a week, we actually have an opportunity to obviously train those muscles more frequently, but in doing so, because we're not training them quite as heavily in that one session, chances are we can probably increase the intensity of those exercises. So I guess the best uh, way to think about that is say uh, your, your chest day comprises of eight individual exercises. You know, you, you'd probably be thinking by the, the sixth, seventh and eighth exercise of that workout, you're probably going to be pretty gassed. Whereas if you split those eight exercises up into two sessions of four, whereby you might train chest and back together, for instance, then chances are those four exercises on each of those days will be able to perform, be performed at a higher intensity, which ideally will lead to more total training volume over time. Added to that, you've got far better effects on your recovery. You know, training uh, one muscle group and, and hitting it, you know, destroying it, hitting it into oblivion. Uh, is going to take a lot of time for you to recover from. Whereas if you're just training more frequently with less volume in a single session, chances are your recovery is never going to, or probably never going to take quite as long for you to feel as if you can train a muscle again. There's also a lot of science behind uh, 
you know, training muscles and the impact that that has on muscle protein synthesis, whereby the more frequently we can train a muscle, the more frequently we stimulate muscle protein synthesis, thereby uh, the more frequently we have the opportunity to be building muscle. So if we're only training each muscle group once per week, um, I, I believe muscle protein synthesis gets elevated for anywhere between 24 to uh, 72 hours. I've written an article called Why Your Bro Split Is Blast." why your bro split is busted if you guys want to read this uh in more detail uh all of the facts will be on that but basically by only training your muscle group once a week you're spending anywhere from between four and six days of not building muscle for that particular muscle group so there's just so many benefits to be uh i guess taken advantage of by training muscle groups and big lifts more frequently because ultimately big lifts as well are a skill so the more frequently you do those throughout the week the better at them you're going to get chances are the more strength and more muscle you'll have the opportunity to build as well uh, and then i guess when it comes to clean and restrictive eating there's just really no need to avoid certain foods or food groups simply because you know some big dude at the gym told you to do so mm-hmm. nowadays uh there's a lot of science that you know, shows us that the food that we eat is more or less uh, as good as the nutrition that it provides. Uh, and when we look at the caloric value and content of food, we can actually be far more flexible with our food choices without essentially falling off the wagon. And I think I was definitely a little bit too quick when I first started out in believing that, you know, these guys and girls that I looked up to only ate fish and rice and oats for breakfast and but you do, you still see that though nick right and i i completely understand your point of view i am a huge proponent of flexible dieting it just means that you can live a normal life yet you know with accuracy control your weight up or down it's a beautiful thing once you get your head around it um but you'll still see many people put on instagram the most unflattering uh uninspiring boring look looking somewhat tasteless Tupperware pots of fish and rice or broccoli, you know, chicken and broccoli. And I'm, I'm still struggling with why people still have uh, a propensity to have really low fat diets and very uh, monotonous Tupperware driven kind of like lifestyles of eating, you know, around the clock. Is that because there is some merit in that style for certain people? Or I'm thinking maybe, you know, people who are bodybuilding and looking to be shredded all year round, is there a need to be that deliberate or do you think it's still old old wives' tales and things that just have perpetuated and, and they haven't necessarily been willing to be a bit more flexible and see how their body responds to it? Uh, I personally don't think so. I don't think there's any reason to be doing those sorts of things, even if you did want to be the world's best bodybuilder. Um, you know, At the end of the day, even if you are the world's best bodybuilder, there's you know, really not much of a career in it. Or even if there is, there's probably a shortened life cycle as a consequence of doing mm-hmm. so. But uh, I think for some reason, there's this mentality in the fitness industry that uh, almost encourages suffering. If you're suffering, then you're doing the right thing. Yeah. If you're dieting with you know, a jar full of misery, then you're on the right track. And I don't know why that is the case. Because there are no brownie points for doing things the hard way. I can tell you that now. I've done things the hard way and it is far more enjoyable when you can eat burgers and still look the way that you want. Um, 
I don't have an answer for that, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, all great ideas take a while to get implemented. And I'm not saying that flexible dieting is an idea. There's very real science behind it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to convince every single person out there that uh, what they're doing is unnecessary. Uh, it's, uh, I guess, you know, one of those things where they would almost need to be, uh, need to see it to believe it. But um, I think the encouraging thing is that, you know, I guess, five or six years ago when I first started on social media and I first started talking about flexible dieting, um, I would get tagged on numerous posts, countless posts whereby people were arguing about clean eating versus flexible dieting. And, you know, these are the sorts of conversations that would make you want to headbutt a wall until you couldn't see it anymore. And nowadays, those conversations no longer happen, you know. Or if someone does have that conversation, somebody very quickly puts them back into their place going, you know, this is this has been done, but um, you know, I think we're obviously moving forward, and 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 there's a lot more people that are aware of flexible dieting, which is great because you know, more and more people are coming to terms with the fact that they don't need to suffer and put their life on hold just to lose a few kilos. Um, but I think you know, when it comes to uh, you know a generation or you know a, a community of people adopting a new idea, that's always going to take a little bit of time. I think what you just said there, Nick, is is quite profound. You talked about this idea that people like the idea of suffering in pursuit of a goal. You know, that stoic nature of getting after something. It has to be hard. Um, and I can relate to that. I, I know I d I've definitely put myself through unnecessary pain in pursuit of goals. But I think it's built into a lot of people, right? You know, think of how popular keto is or, you know, strict paleo diets or even vegan diets now. Uh, even the carnivore diet's getting uh, getting some uh, attention. People seem to like this idea of lots of restriction, very, very clear goal um, guidelines and rules, um, super restrictive mentality because they believe that if they follow a very specific rule set and they're being ultra res restrictive, they're going to get the best results. And I can remember losing weight a bunch of times uh, prior to being informed. And my... MO was always the same, right? I'm going to lose weight, enough's enough. I'm going to basically eat nothing or as little as I can, soups and salads. Um, I still think that 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 mentality, that idea, that need for rules, that need for restriction and suffering is still very present. And we just have to look at the diets that are so popular today to see that people still like to follow these rules. Do you, do you see any merit um, across these more kind of branded diets, whether it's uh, being a vegan or keto or paleo or other diets where there's, you know, specific dietary rules. Do you think they work for some people and therefore should continue to be promoted or do you think it's a bit of a misdirection? Oh, I think if uh, it suits your personal preference, then go for it. But if you're going to follow one of those diets without paying attention to the calorie or macronutrient breakdown of the diet that you're following, then, you know, you're, you're playing darts in the dark. Mm. And have you ever followed any of those diets, Nick? Have you ever, like, tried keto or anything like that? Absolutely. Keto was probably the most uh, the foremost miserable weeks of my life. <laughs> How long did you go for? Yeah, I think about four weeks. Okay, and you know, and, like the reality how, is, how was how was your training? How you know what was yeah? You say it was misery, misery. Why so? Training was balls. Training was absolute rubbish because I had you know no energy to actually train. Now, 
My biggest issue with keto is, now I know there are a lot of people out there that love it. Brilliant, good for you. If that's the way you like to eat, awesome. But I highly doubt that you're gonna be able to avoid carbohydrate for the rest of your life. Mm. Particularly if you wanna live your life outside of the gym. And that is my biggest issue with keto dieting. You know, we don't go to the gym because we're professional gym goers. Very few people can make a genuine living from going to the gym. You know, like even I don't really make a, a living from going to the gym. Maybe the way that I look at as a result of having trained for 10 years may influence some of my clients, but I don't get paid because I go to the gym. Uh, and I think anyone that is going to follow a diet because they think it's going to, you know, give them that opportunity is you know, probably barking up the wrong tree. Um, like to, to follow a diet like that and to, to stick to it as designed you have to make some serious sacrifices in your life. And and those are the sorts of sacrifices that you really need to look in the mirror and think, is this genuinely worth it? Mm. When you can particularly when you can do this other other ways. You know, like why like why would you make things harder than they need to be? Right? Like you're the dude or the guy or the girl that then has to go out and you can't eat any of the finger food because there's always carbs in finger food, you know? You can't go out and have a few beers because that's going to pull you out of ketosis. And you have to, you know, work for another couple of two, another two weeks to get back into it. I, mean, I just think it's it's an unsustainable way to diet. Um, and I, I think you know, as can be said for the rest of you know those various fad diets, if you can't see yourself doing them for three weeks, three months, three years, then it's probably not the right answer. I think that's. Good answer, man. I concur 100%. I love my food too much to be so restrictive, especially with with a, a macronutrient source, which is just everywhere. It's impossible. But anyway, some people like yeah, it. So. and uh, we, we can't we can't knock that. Um, pivoting and changing subject on you just a little bit then. So you are nearly 30, right? I was gonna say you're 30, you're nearly 30. Uh, I've already stated you've achieved quite a lot so far. But if you had to call out your top three biggest, proudest life achievements, whether it be personal, career wise, uh, you know, metrics of success, what would you say they are today? And I'm sure you can add a few more in uh, the years to come. But so far, top three, what would they be? Uh, okay. Um, well, I think, you know, one of the main, one of the main things that I'm proud of is opening my own facility. Um, last year, uh, my partner and I opened our own gym and that was a very challenging process, but came about after, you know, sort of 10 years in the fitness industry, something that I, I never really thought that I would ever do. Um, but I am, beyond proud of the space that we've created and the community that we've built within that space. Um, particularly now that all the hard work is you know, more or less over, um, you know, we can sort of sit back and enjoy it a little bit more now. Uh, personally, uh, I got, uh, I got engaged last week after spending or being in a relationship for about six years. So that's obviously a, a, a pretty large highlight and means Congrats. I get to, uh, Thank you. Carry on, uh, you know, life with uh, my best friend, and uh, that's uh, you know still pretty exciting and 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 still very fresh. Um, a third one. You know, I'm. Uh, I think I've been fortunate. Um, I've been fortunate 
throughout my time in the fitness industry, I think something else that I am somewhat proud of is uh, I'm not going to say my ability, but I think I've been I've been able to take advantage of several opportunities when they've been presented, whether or not they were always going to be presented to me or uh, whether or not I was able to manufacture them out of, out of nothing. But I feel like I've been able to take some opportunities uh, when they've been presented to me and, and I'm proud of that. And I guess, uh, you know, several examples would be, uh, you know, jumping on stage when uh, flexible dieting was you know, pretty new and showing the world that it was possible to diet and eat ice cream every single day and still get stage lean, which, uh, which definitely helped me sort of kickstart my business around flexible dieting, uh, at that point in time. Uh, it also opened doorways or corridors for, uh, for sponsors, which has ended up resulting in, you know, overseas travel and meeting people that I never would have otherwise you know, been in touch with and, um, creating relationships both inside and outside of the gym that, you know, otherwise I would have never had an opportunity to do. So um, I think, I think that would probably be the third. Um, it's, it's awesome being able to work with brands that are worldwide. And uh, I think, um, you know, having had that opportunity, I've, uh, I've taken it, I think as best as I possibly could have at the time. It's, it's a great list of achievements already, man. And um, I heard previously that, you know, one of your, role models uh was steve cook um or probably still is steve cook for the way about he the way he's gone about you know, his branding and his engagement online and to think you rub shoulders with him as part of um you know the gymshark sponsorship team that's that's pretty awesome man does that do you still have to pinch yourself and realize that someone you looked up to is now now a peer yeah it's obviously pretty cool right um i think yeah the uh i think i think the cooler thing is that you know, getting to spend time with these sorts of people, uh, you can you can get a better feel for obviously who they are rather than who they are on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, having the opportunity to create relationships with those people uh, within that is is you know something that obviously not everybody gets the opportunity to do. So, yeah, absolutely, it's um, it's very cool. That is awesome, man. That is awesome. Um, last question on the kind of journey aspect, which is um, happiness. So. I'm I'm new into the in, or relatively new into the world of both fitness and leveraging social media for doing business. Prior to that, I was in a very corporate career, um, and I've been fortunate enough to enjoy my life so far. Uh, the ebbs and flows, the personal side of it, the business side of it, uh, the family side. But I often stumble across this idea and this notion of happiness. What is it? And you know, have the things I've pursued in my life made me happy and it's easy for someone looking at your life and looking at you know you're following look at your sponsorship deals look at your physique and how you're in control of your physique and say that must be happiness so my question is this like as you as you think about the physique you've built um and the control of it has your physique alone brought you the happiness that many people looking from outside in anticipate or is that again a misdirection of sort is that where the juice is Is that where the life is in having a great physique or or not i'm just curious as to your relationship with your physique from a happiness perspective well i mean i think i think we all know the answer to that 
Uh, and the reality is, you know, enjoying or appreciating the way that you look is a very small part of life. So if you're the sort of guy or girl that is dieting because you believe that you'll be happy when, uh, then my recommendation would be to make sure you diet in a way that allows you to enjoy all of the other things in life that you enjoy too because the reality is you're probably going to get to wherever it is you want to be, however it is you want to look. Uh, and particularly if you have to uh, make decisions which will limit your ability to enjoy other aspects of your life, uh, you're probably going to figure out reasonably quickly that looking a certain way is not going to sustain you. Uh, and I think I learned that fairly early on, uh, particularly when I was you know, following these sorts of training and, and, and dieting approaches that we've, we've talked about already today. Uh, you know, back then when I first started, you know, all I wanted to do was get lean and look good with my shirt off. I thought if I looked amazing, then I would be full of confidence. Girls would love me. All of the, you know, everything will just fall into place from there. Um, but, you know, the reality in doing all of that was that, you know, the decisions I made in regards to the way that I went about dieting, the way that I went about training, ostracized me from my friendship group. Uh, it meant that I, you know, didn't put myself into any social situations where girls would even be able to look at me, let alone talk to me. Uh, and, you know, even if I were to go out, um, you know, eating or drinking was certainly out of the question because my focus was so razor sharp at that point in time. Uh, and I think it almost took uh, me getting there uh, in a way to sort of realize that there is so much more to life than chicken and broccoli and not going out and enjoying myself. Um, so, you know, like, I think I still, obviously, I, I still love training. You know, I love the way that it makes me feel. I love the challenge of getting better. I love the challenge of getting stronger or getting through more work. Um, the way that I look is a very convenient byproduct, and there are still you know intricacies within that that I look to control from time to time. Uh, but I would like to think now that I am a much more well-rounded human uh, rather than just some dude that wanted to be shredded and nothing else. Oh, I, I can see that a mile off and I, I kind of anticipated that answer. But here's, here's another kind of slight on, the, on this question, which is people might say, oh, it's, it's easy for him to say that, you know, physique doesn't bring in happiness, but he has the physique. <laughs> so it's uh, <laughs> taking it for granted, maybe. What about if we, you know, we, we clicked our fingers and you lost your physique like tomorrow? Do you think that would take some happiness away? Um. Yeah, look, that's an interesting question, and I, I don't know if I have uh, an, you know, a real answer for that. To be fair, um, I think you know, at the end of the day, my physique, as as you refer to it, is um, it's more than just an appearance for me. You know, it's 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 ten years of hard work. You know, it's what uh, originally I began building my business on um, and around. So. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think a physique is, is ever going to provide you with the happiness you think it will. Uh, I, I certainly think it can influence or impact your life in a positive manner. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I, I do think that 
going in with the with the thought process that um, it's the be all and end all is is a risky move. Um, you know, no doubt I've 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 seen it in, in clients of my own when people lose a little bit of weight or you know they they get a little bit bigger and like you can see that that comes through in the way that they carry themselves, the confidence they have in social situations and interactions. Um, but again, that's you know these are small parts of life. There's um, you know if you asked you know, 100 different people what their definition of success was, you would get a lot of different answers. So I think um, building your physique and, and chasing, um, you know, further physique development and improvement is absolutely a great goal to have. But I would never encourage anyone to do that as their sole focus in their life because I think that will be the thing that ultimately brings them undone. Um, because in doing that, in focusing solely on one thing, you're going to have to make some choices and some decisions, which will likely involve sacrificing other elements of your life. And if you're, you know, chasing a destination that you've never been, you're not going to be able to guarantee that when you get there, you're going to actually like it. So I would always recommend, and this is, yeah, again, one of the reasons that I love flexible dieting is because, for sure, let's let's chase a six pack, let's chase a little bit of weight loss, let's get bigger. But let's do it in a way that allows us to actually enjoy our life and enjoy the food that we eat at the same time. Like this shit doesn't need to be difficult just to make it difficult. I agree, man. And I, I, I guess I would say for me personally is, you know, I've, I've developed a reasonable physique in the last couple of years. You know, I, I, I like the way I look. Um, I still have physique goals, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm taking my time and I'm not overly... Uh, concerned about the level of gain and the pace of gain that I make. That said, training for me has become a keystone habit. Training for me, uh, the discipline it takes to get through the work, um, to turn up rain or shine, um, the knowing that if I eat right and I train right, things that I want changed start to change. So that kind of confidence that action equals outcome, that for me is... Um, is a fundamental foundation in which I build the, my confidence from. And it's not just the way I look, it's the knowing that with discipline, pursuing pursuing a goal, having a plan, being somewhat stoic, I can get what I want. Okay, how can I apply that to my career? Uh, how can I apply the same level of focus towards improving my relationships and adding value in the world? Do you know what I mean? I think it's more complicated than it's the way I look in the mirror and whether people, you know, think I look attractive. But knowing that your body is a result of a plan and discipline and work, I don't know. I think it's it's um it builds on itself. It's compounding. Would you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. And I think uh, you know things like uh, discipline and training and and the way that you eat certainly translate into other areas of your life. Um, you know, I know for me too, I, I just, I feel good when I train, you know, I, uh, if I go a couple of days without training, then my mood in general comes down and that's yeah. not because I'm worried about gaining weight. It's because I, you know, I, I genuinely enjoy lifting weights and training and, and, and moving around, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, I wouldn't call it an addiction, but it's it certainly is. something <laughs> I very much enjoy, you know, yeah. I would have a hard time giving it up. Yeah, no, same here, man. Same here. Listen, Nick, I, I now want to kind of just pivot towards your your business aspect, and we're gonna we're gonna transition to my physique uh, through 
the path of just discussing social media for a minute. So sure. you are known uh, globally, absolutely, for the success you've had in using social media platforms to you know, project yourself and your brand. Um, you're part of a famous FitPro duo with uh, your now fiance, Beck Chambers, who's, who's absolutely amazing, by the way, and I love her feed. Um, but people say, Nick, that being great at social media uh, needs you to become somewhat anti-social. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, you know, the kind of obsession of your, your feed, uh, sometimes with the exclusion of people immediately in your, in, in your circle, right? You, you end up focusing more about your virtual connections as opposed to your real connections. Talk to me about that. Have you had any ups and downs with social media? And has it at times impacted your relationship? Uh, I, I don't really ever think that I've found myself in a position where I've sort of been prioritizing social media over being social. Um, I think when I first started, I, I certainly got uh, a little bit too obsessive with uh, the size of my following and, and, and building that. Um, I think there was definitely a, a period of time where I sort of started to learn that like that number underneath your name on your Instagram account doesn't, doesn't really mean shit, to be honest. Um, it's obviously a great way to spread a message and to potentially sell a product if you can uh, hold on to your integrity whilst doing so. But at the end of the day, that number doesn't, doesn't really mean a great deal. Uh, and I, I gave up on the actual number you know, quite some time ago when I realized that there are definitely more important things in life. You know, I think social media and having a, a decent social media strategy is good. But um, again, it's, you know, going back to the whole physique thing, it's just, just a small part of life. Um, throwing all of your eggs in one basket, whatever that basket is, is uh, I personally think not the best move. Um, and have you, have you experienced any, any lows of social media? And what I mean by this, Nick, maybe to put some context in, is I've had periods where um, with my obsession to try and make uh, the social media game work for me, and it's incredibly hard to get started, especially without, you know, your own individual brand that's known. Uh, I definitely at least have felt some struggles getting it moving in 2018 and 2019. And at times, um, the whole process can feel a little bit empty, where, you know, you're pouring in lots of energy, lots of thought, you, you, you're, you're planning ahead, trying to think about how you're going to, you know, put your, your message out there across the various posts and bits and pieces you put out. And uh, the return can feel pretty empty, whether you get lots of engagement or not, it can still feel rather empty, especially when you're prioritizing that over some simpler, more enjoyable aspects of life. Have you ever, ever, ever felt any of those downs, whether it be, you know, with you and Bex kind of like going, shit, you know, we've been spending too much time on this and not enough time with us and our friends, or we've been prioritizing certain goals. And when we get there, we're going to feel great only to reach, reach those and not feel that amazing feeling we assumed. I'm just wondering with the kind of tenure in social media that you've had, and what looks like effortless success, I'm sure it hasn't been effortless. And I just wondered if there was any moments where it felt just a bit empty. Yeah, I mean, Beck's been quite 
grounding throughout the entire experience. And I think probably the best example I can give you is, you know, there was a time where we thought that it would be a good idea to get into YouTube. And I think at this point in time, I'd already seen some success on other platforms. Um, but it, it, it certainly looked like YouTube was a good idea. Um, you know, to date, it's still the only platform that actually pays you to post content if you can be good enough at it um, through advertising. But, um, you know, it got to the point where I was like filming and, and trying to edit, you know, two to three videos a week. And it was you know, probably taking up to 15, 20 hours out of my week just to get these videos up. And it got to a point where she was like, you're doing something that isn't making you money. And it's also taking you away from your ability to do your own job and look after your clients. And I think for me, that was, you know, like a bit of a, uh, a smack in the face and basically like a, me looking at, at myself in the mirror going like, what the hell am I doing? Like, mm. she's absolutely right. Um, and so, you know, like I've, I've tried various times to get YouTube off, off the ground, but ever since that happened, uh, it's always been uh, in a manner now that, you know, I'm, I'm only sort of chasing it if I have the time because I think the important thing is that you, you need to figure out where your priorities lie so that you can, you know, plan accordingly and spend your time accordingly uh, and prioritize the things that need more time uh, and then save, you know, the things that don't need that or that don't need as much of your attention for when you maybe have heaps of spare time. Um, but look, I can certainly, I can certainly relate to the idea that social media can be somewhat challenging, particularly when you're starting out and it can be, you know, somewhat demoralizing for those people that are starting out. But, um, I think, you know, Gary V said a great thing one time and I'm not a huge, uh, listener of Gary V stuff, but he has some wise words to say. Um, you know, you never know which piece of content you might post that will go viral. So with that in mind, there's probably every opportunity or every, every reason to make sure you post a lot, you know, give value, put out content, help people as much as you can, because one day you might just wake up and, and all of a sudden you're an overnight success. Um, did did you did you ever have that moment, Nick? Did I'm I'm guessing it was incremental compounding growth over a number of years of hard work and effort. But did you have? Can you recall a moment where there was a, a sizable jump in what you were doing, whether it be engagement or followers or, or likes or something that said, "Actually, wow, there's co there's a piece of content that is established in my name." Uh, yeah, but it didn't really work out the way I thought. I um. I posted an ab video on Facebook one time and it went super viral. And I think I, I went at the time, I went from about 50,000 followers on Facebook to about 550,000 followers in the space of a month or so. What? Yeah. And yeah. what was it? An ab, an ab workout? It was actually, yeah, an ab workout with no gym equipment. Like it was just, yeah, it wow. wasn't even. Uh, you know, like I wouldn't even say now, like it's, it's a piece of content that I, that I vibe with, you know, it's just, it was just a generic ab workout and it ended up taking off and the page grew. And, um, but I mean, you know, like, let's be real. Facebook is not, um, the most valuable resource anymore. It certainly isn't what it, what it used to be. Um, 
So as far as being able to turn any of those followers into customers or actually build a relationship with them, you know, a little bit of a different story. Whereas if the same sort of thing happened on Instagram, I'm sure it would be far more valuable. Um, but I think, you know, I think the way that the Instagram algorithm now, and I say Instagram because that's, you know, the main one that most people use or certainly the one, the main one that I use, the Instagram algorithm is, you know, seemingly constantly changing. Um, so I think, you know, all you can really do is play the consistency game uh, and be that that sort of person that's constantly top of mind, putting out decent content to the niche that you're chasing uh, so that when the time comes for them to, you know, seek out a coach or buy whatever it is you're selling, you're going to be at the top of the list when they think about who offers that product amongst you and your competitors. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Instagram is, uh, it feels like the most dominant um platform at least for this industry of you know fitness and you know physique um and i guess um and you kind of alluded to alluded to it there with facebook what you did in the past isn't always going to be what brings you success in the future so when you look at social media in 2019 what's your strategy nick like is it about growth is it about product sales is it finding clients you know, how, how do you think you need to engage with social media in 2019? And how was that different from perhaps your prior use when you were getting started? Because I, I suspect with the change in algorithm, the change in dynamic, loads of extra users, um, your shift in priorities, that what you do in 2019 is probably a little bit different. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm probably not the person to be asking this because I, you know, I've never really been one to have a social media strategy. I've just sort of always posted what I felt to be, uh, on my mind or, you know, something that you know, I, I feel passionately about. Um, I think it pays to pay attention to the trends. Uh, it definitely looks like at the moment that Instagram are rewarding people that are putting out content that encourage users to look at it for longer and obviously you know we've seen a huge increase in the amount of carousel videos that you see on instagram because instead of people looking at one video they're looking at up to 10 mm-hmm. and so that's that's going to take them a couple of minutes to watch all those so instagram's probably going to pat you on the back for that but you know to be honest uh, my focus moving forward is sort of uh the product that you just mentioned previously my physique which is uh, a low ticket coaching uh platform uh basically built to help those people that can't afford uh an online coach or uh, an in-person coach uh yet still wants the coaching and accountability that they've always needed to actually make great physique progress without putting the rest of their life on hold um so i guess my social media posts and my social media strategy is going to fall largely around that Uh, i'm not going to transition out of online coaching and working with clients one-on-one but it's certainly going to have or be a great thing to have um i guess a a less expensive service for those people that perhaps can't afford working one-on-one with me and do you think that that meshes well between you know the engagement or how you see people engage with content online and how they part with money online, especially when it comes to buying stuff or, or being influenced by Instagram um, and a lower tick item product. For me, I think that makes perfect sense. I think it's probably quite difficult to sell high ticket items over Instagram 
I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but so, I'd, I'd suspect uh, a lower ticket item would work quite well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't really sell any high ticket stuff, but I, I mean, I can't imagine the conversion rate would be too crash hot on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about my physique a little bit more then. So, um, as a, as I would have uh, said previously, Nick, you are known for your online coaching services and helping you know hundreds, millions of people uh, get inspired around flexible dieting and training. How does MyPhysique.io compare to what you've previously offered your clients? Let's kind of just get them into the nuts and bolts a little bit more. Well, I think I think a, a better way to answer that question is to actually look at the problem I'm trying to solve. Um, because, you know, we talked, we talked before about the fact that flexible dieting still seems to be so new to so many people. You know, the reality is there are still so many people that are finding their feet in the gym that are, you know, just finding the gym for the first time or that are still floundering hopelessly years into their gym career mm. that really need the help and accountability that comes with having a coach. But the reality is that you know, the vast majority of those people probably can't afford it. So, I mean, I obviously, as you know, the way that I make an income is I work with clients in a one-on-one capacity in, in by, whereby I build a sustainable training and nutrition protocol that fits in with them and their lives. So basically, my physique is the platform that allows each of the users to do that for themselves coach themselves whilst remaining accountable uh, and still have that direction in the gym that they need to actually get pushed in the right direction. And I think there are a lot of people in the gym, just like when I first started out, that see someone and they do what they're doing because they think that's what they should be doing. So what we've done with my physique is we've actually created a platform that will cater the nutritional protocol to the individual based on an extensive sort of onboarding registration process, calculates their macros, and then basically looks to adjust them in line with the rate at which they progress towards whatever goal they're chasing. On top of that, we've built out a number of evidence-based training programs and protocols for them to follow at will, which will, you know, at the end of the day, fit in with their nutritional goal in terms of what they're looking to do with their body composition, but in a manner that allows them to make progress over the long term rather than just following random workouts they might be seeing on Instagram. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So if I think about a big way that health and fitness influencers make money on Instagram today, a lot of it is through selling programs you see a lot of people offering ebooks. I guess they're predominantly ebooks of like, you know, here's my, you know, killer chest workout, here's my killer ab workout, or what have you. Uh, you see tons of it, and I'm sure they make enough money to be able to support their Lamborghini lifestyles. But <laughs> I, I suspect that, you know, because I've bought a couple of these programs before, just curious more than anything else, and they're usually, you know, one dimensional. It is a, it is a ebook. Is that there's no way to bring that data into a platform that I can use and therefore track. Um, it feels disconnected. It feels isolated to me. It feels usually overamped for my needs or just not specific to my needs. 
how and, and and it sounds pretty obvious that there's a there, there, there's a marked difference here between selling an ebook and my physique but yeah try and describe that for the user in terms of the user experience how that is different and have you ever participated and bought that bought an ebook from it from a user's perspective to see what it feels like for you and what how did it miss the mark well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the vast majority of those sorts of programs and ebooks that you find online are a uh, straight up copy and paste job whereby a user is, you know, supposed to be following one style of training program. Um, and whilst I do think there are a lot of people out there that tend to overcomplicate the training process, um, you know, a, a lot of people simply just need to follow a training program that allows them to remain consistent, that incorporates progressive overload. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, and obviously one that they enjoy so that they can actually stick to it for long enough to see progress um so basically what what we've done is we've taken the concept of of those sort of um ebooks rather but we've built these training programs and these nutritional protocols around the user so basically rather than spitting out some sort of generic diet we're actually going to look at the user's body composition uh, the answers to a number of questions uh, and their personal preferences and actually calculate their macros for them and allow them to hit their macros in a way that actually suits them. We give them complete control over the way they end up doing so, whether they want a carb cycle, whether they want to eat the same amount of calories and macros every single day. Uh, we even give them the opportunity to change their macros within their caloric parameters if they don't like what we initially spit out for them. And then we simply encourage them to stay consistent and check in each week because every time they check in, that gives us an opportunity, gives them, gives the platform an opportunity to see how they're moving, how they're progressing, uh, and whether or not any changes need to be made to their nutritional protocol. And at the same time, as I mentioned, we've built out a number of training programs that are enjoyable, evidence-based, uh, and incorporate progressive overload so that whilst following their nutritional protocol, they can actually be making strides in the gym as well, rather than just following random workouts and wondering why they're never getting stronger, bigger, or maintaining muscle while they get leaner. And all of this is is done via technology, right? So there's, there's an app for the training aspect where you can you know, follow the program, track your progress, focus on progressive overload, as well as an interface for plugging in your macros, checking in and adjusting those as the weeks go by, is that correct? That's correct. So we've we've developed uh, an intuitive platform whereby the user can exactly interact with the system to essentially treat it as their coach. Uh, and then for ease of use, we've uh, separated the training from that and turned it into an iPhone application and, a, and an Android application. So that when you do go to the gym, you don't have to worry about sort of logging back into your desktop dashboard. You can actually just take the smartphone app with you and uh, track your entire workout so that over time you can actually physically see how much stronger you're getting uh, as well as obviously watching videos of the exercises that you might be performing for that day should you not know how to do them uh, and look forward to sort of future workouts and, and how your strength progression might look. That's awesome, man. That is, that, that is what you need. Um, I don't know whether this piece of the puzzle was complete with the myphysique.io. Uh, what about tracking of, of the calories and the macros themselves? So your goal setting 
and given the guidance based on body composition and current progress, how does an individual go about tracking their consumption? Is that via your service or would they use something independent? Well, we did a fair bit of research and we did think about putting that into the actual My Physique dashboard. But with so many people already having adopted My Fitness Pal, we just mm. decided that so now we're not going to touch it. So we simply play the role of the coach uh, and encourage the users to continue about their daily habits and using things like My Fitness Pal. I personally don't know anyone that doesn't use My Fitness Pal to track their calories and macros. Yeah. Um, so there's no real reason to change that. Um, in future, we may consider that based on some feedback, but for now, we just thought the easiest way to do this would be to, you know, simply adopt the role of the coach uh, and allow the user to essentially not disrupt their routine uh, in any further way. We want to give them the opportunity and the tools to track their macros and see great progress without wondering whether or not they're actually hitting the right macros, whilst also giving them a training program that falls in line with the goals that they have uh, and their personal preferences uh, and one that allows them to progress over time. That makes perfect sense, man. I, I, I personally am one of those individuals that don't use my fitness pal. Uh, I don't know how this happened, but I use, a, I use something called MyNet Diary. It's basically the same thing. Um, but I could imagine that being incredibly hard to replicate because it's all it's all in the database, isn't it? And these databases are quite often user um, populated. Um, so the idea of building up millions of data points to support all the various foods that you can buy, you know, whole foods and processed foods. I mean, that's a huge investment. And as you say, considering most people that have started to find an interest in fitness probably have my fitness power downloaded just let them use it and and do what you do i think it makes perfect sense um you you talked about this you know playing the role of the coach does it where where do you where does this start and stop from a you know there's an automation and kind of self-service idea around this myphysique.io priced accordingly um but where 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 are the gaps between that and say an an online coach or a physical coach I suspect it's around obviously engagement and specific counsel on how to perform exercises and just a bit more dialogue, a bit more kind of psychological coaching. But where, how do you see the kind of marriage between, say, this kind of service and someone wanting external accountability beyond a dashboard? Well, I mean, my physique is the service for those people that can't afford an online coach. There hasn't, you know, to date, there hasn't really been an opportunity for the people that can't afford a personal trainer or a coach to train and diet in a way that makes sense and gives them the accountability. So what we've done, as I said, is look to solve that problem. Um, you know, obviously, there isn't going to be quite the same feel as far as uh, that human interaction between you and your coach. We've still got designated support teams uh, from both an, an account perspective and a a coaching perspective for those people that do have further questions and issues. And obviously there's a, uh, a Facebook group attached to the training, uh, to the product itself as well. So there's, you know, obviously going to be a great sense of community for that as well. Um, so really, you know, we, we, I guess we're almost looking at, at sort of group coaching rather mm -hmm. than an individual one-on-one -on -one style service. Right. Yeah. So that accountability is coming from your community versus a one-to-one -one expensive coach that they might not be able to afford. That makes perfect sense. But then 
people could use the myphysique.io data and training should they get inspired and, and kind of pull on you know some limited external support some additional coaching on top of that and could you see that kind of marriage working in time where they use your service predominantly as their own kind of accountability structure their own enablement platform but here and then they get some coaching on you know functional movement they get some coaching on you know just making sure everything makes sense to them maybe some kind of psychological support when they're going through hard times do you do you see the kind of uh, sporadic involvement of um human coaching in support of what you're doing from an automation perspective yeah absolutely i mean the thing is you know it's it's more than it's more than just a, a sort of a coaching engine and a training program We've got a full membership website built into the back end <clears throat> filled with exclusive content from our contributors uh as well as the complete fitness tracking diary so when it comes to you know checking in and, and actually recording progress we've got a full suite of tools that allow you to track every bit of progress you can think to track so for as long as the user is registered with the service they're able to track every single measurement every single macro they hit every day of compliance uh, every photograph they take and then see how those things look over time as we automatically graph them for you in front of your very eyes and give you the opportunity to create a transformation image at the click of a button. And then I guess if, if they cho choose to, to share that information with someone they may externally hire at some point in their life, Absolutely. if they believe that they need that, you know, a little bit more support or just to bounce ideas off of someone else too. Absolutely. Or, if, or maybe they just want to work in person with someone to perfect their lifting technique. Yeah. Absolutely. This, this could work that way. Okay. That sounds great, man. I, I think it's a service that is going to be hugely popular um, because training and nutrition isn't that complicated. Uh, but having the tools around you to make it work and provide you that enablement and uh, consistency um, can sometimes be overwhelming and a bit confusing, especially when there's loads of separate systems all having to work independently. And I think you're trying to solve that. So I love it. I love it, man. Um, t tell the users like where they can find it, uh, how they get, how get set up, how much it costs, that kind of stuff, Nick. Of course. Well, we've made it super easy. So we put a little link in the description section of the podcast that you guys can check it out. The entire service is just $19 a month. You get full access to absolutely everything, the opportunity to check in as frequently as you like, record as many different statistics and progress uh, progress factors as you like, uh, and enjoy all of the content that the back end has to offer. Uh, it is as simple as that, mate. It's, uh, it's $19 a month to try and help as many people as possible get the training and the nutrition support that they've always needed without having to break the bank cool um last question on my physique then is where do you expect to take it nick over the next couple of years right we've got a, a launch which is you know we're right in the uh, in the, right in the middle of the frame of so as you project into 2020 2020 uh, sorry 21 do you where do you anticipate the direction of this service both in terms of adoption and maybe other features and maybe how you'd like it to evolve? Uh, my physique is going to become the household name in the fitness industry. My physique is the starting point for every single person that gets into fitness, that needs a helping hand, needs some direction, that needs 
accountability. Um, features we have a list that is longer than uh, you could ever imagine, but um, all all in due time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is the service that is going to help more people than any other product can in the fitness industry. That's the plan. I love it. Ambitious, ambitious, yeah. and it's you know it's a it's a busy and highly contested industry. But I think with with your brand. Uh, your credibility, your proven results, and I think your charisma, I think you stand a good chance of making that happen, man. I wish you all the best on that pursuit. I mean, to the extent that um, Adaptation uh, is going to support you and encourage people to adopt your service, I'll make sure that um, we're spreading the word on your behalf, because I I think it's a great idea. Um, Nick, as we kind of close on this discussion, then, um, it sounds like 2019 is going to be predominantly about my physique. Uh, but is there any other themes of the next year or so that you can uh, inform our audience of so they can anticipate and get excited about what else is coming from you? Uh, mate, this, uh, this has been about 18 months in the making. So uh, I think I would be doing it a uh, disservice if I would have any other focus, to be fair. Boom. Okay, right. So we are all in on my physique. Okay, cool, man. Um, and where can where can people find out more about you and your services? It's pretty straightforward. But do you want to just quickly call those out, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. So I've pretty much adopted the same uh, same username on just about every single platform. That is Nick Cheadle Fitness, all one word. Uh, on Instagram, Nick Cheadle Fitness, three words. On Facebook and YouTube. Uh, and my website is exactly the same, nickcheadlefitness.com. Obviously, uh, you can check out my physique at the website as well as the, uh, the URL in the description section. Awesome, man. Awesome. Is there uh, any final thoughts or comments you want to leave our audience with before we close today's call? I think one of the biggest things that I've learned over my time in the fitness industry is that fitness is only ever going to play a small role in your life. No matter how important it might feel or it might seem at any particular time, it is only one component of your life. So if you are going to look at prioritizing it, make sure you do so in a way that still allows you to enjoy the other things in life that are important to you, rather than chasing one thing and forgetting about everything else well said man well said i couldn't concur anymore i've i've enjoyed all the benefits of pursuing a physique and getting my wellness in check but hey if you pursue that at the exclusion of everything else it feels somewhat hollow so um i concur completely cool nick thank you so much for your time today thank you for um, your individual support over the last year or so and I am super excited about one, your engagement and, uh, you know, really tying the knot with your missus, as well as my physique and where that goes over the next year or so, man. So all the best of luck. Uh, I can't wait to catch up with you over the coming months. Take care, man. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. So there you have it, guys. Mr. Nick Cheadle himself on the Adaptation podcast. It's a pinch yourself moment for me because it really does indicate that we are going places and we've got the caliber to be able to get on great guests, people that otherwise would just not show up. I mean, Nick is hardly on any podcast at all. So um, 
You got to hear quite a unique insight into his life. You also got to hear about a product which sounds fantastic. It's physique, control and manipulation to the, for the masses at an affordable price. I think it's going to take off. It's going to allow loads of people to get into fitness in a productive way. So guys, that just leaves me to say Adapt Nation is all about providing you with the expert tools and knowledge to help you improve and optimize your strength, health and mindset inside and out. Until next time, I'll let you crack on and be your best. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.